0: Our second lesson is from the Holy Gospel, according to the witness of St. Matthew, uh, the 28th chapter, beginning at verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. Now you guys can go take your seats. Make me nervous back there behind me. How many of you um, have known of a a friend or experience with a loved one, uh, the blessing uh, called hospice care? You know, so many members of this congregation have been touched and blessed by that ministry, but... Uh, When hospice first started, uh, there was a lot of fear and a lot of um, ignorance. I remember well in my first congregation years ago in Richmond, Virginia, um, one of the local hospitals was starting its first on site inpatient hospice care unit. And there were people protesting, people writing letters to the editor in the local newspaper. People thought this was some kind of hemlock society where people would be put to death against their wishes. There was just so much misunderstanding. And we all know now that hospice care is nothing like that at all. It's a beautiful ministry. It's a, it's a ministry of grace and compassion. But in those early years, at least in Richmond, Virginia, um, it was tough. And the local chaplain at that hospital asked if some of the pastors in the area would come alongside and assist him because he had responsibility for the the regular part of the hospital as well. And so I was one of those young pastors that stepped up and said, sure, I'll do my part. And it was uh, back then in the 80s that I came to know a man by the name of Bob, and he was um, a Vietnam veteran. He was a man of deep faith, and uh, I made visits to Bob every week for like the eight, ten weeks um, he was there until he passed away he uh, was a lover of God and a lover of country and he told me the hardest thing about war is seeing your buddies die and some of you this morning know precisely what he's talking about you've been there but the overwhelming majority of us uh, simply do not We just don't. But way back then, when I was a much younger pastor, Bob shared with me the story of a journey that he had to take uh, going from his home state of Virginia all the way to Indiana. You know, he wasn't from Indiana. But that's where one of his buddies back in the Vietnam era was born and raised. And, and Bob went there to visit his grave and talk with the man's parents. Uh, his comrade, his friend, was only 19 years of age when he uh, was killed in action. He, he was shot, and he, and he slowly bled to death before they could get him the care he needed. He died like so many young men far from home, but not before he spoke his last words, words that were spoken to Bob as he held that man in his arms. Tell mom and dad I love him and tell them I'm sorry I won't be able to come home and help on the farm. And tell my brother to be strong and enjoy life for me. Hmm. So Bob was on a mission. Pretty profound mission, huh? He had the honor of hearing a dying man's last words and he knew he needed to go to his hometown and share those words with his family in person. Last words are lasting words, and you may not have had a comrade die in combat, but I know that many of you have been in the presence of loved ones, friends, on what we call their deathbeds when you heard their final words, and that's a very uh, profound experience, is it not? Um, When I was your new pastor, Uh, I was in the presence of one of our members and I, I remember her last words spoken to me and I'm really hounded by her final words because she said, Pastor Bruce, promise me, promise me that before you retire, you'll make sure that they reactivate the fountain that they covered out in the centrum. Because she remembers when that was an open atrium and there was a fountain. And she said, they made a terrible decision covering that. Promise me that you'll bring the fountain back. And I said, I don't, I don't know if I can. Promise me. And then she's gone. So maybe I've got something to work on the last few years here at faith. I don't know. But last words stick with you, don't they? And in the hearing of today's gospel lesson, you've heard the last words spoken by Jesus before he... Return to heaven. He's already suffered the agony, the loneliness, the humiliation, the the torturous pain of the cross. He's been buried. He was raised. He was with His disciples for 40 days. And now He's ascending to the right hand of the Father. But before He made that ascension to that place of honor and glory, He spoke these final words. All authority has been given to me. All of it. Go now. Go and make disciples, baptize them and teach them to obey everything I've taught you. And I'm always with you, always with you to the end of human history. So this morning, we're going to meditate on this matter of obedience that we're to teach disciples to obey what Christ has commanded. And we're going to be focusing on this theme of Christian obedience for the next two weeks as well, because there's no way we can... um, say everything that can and should be said about Christian obedience in one meditation. And as we begin this series of sermons, let's let's remember, for today's gospel, these these are our last words. And we need to approach these words, as we do all the words of Christ, with, um, with reverence. We need to approach these words of Christ worshipfully and attentively. Now when it comes to obedience uh, many people especially these days don't don't like the idea. They don't like the idea of having to obey uh, anything or anyone. Uh, I know a young guy here in Albuquerque. I'm working on him. He's never come to worship here but I'm working on him. And um, Now, these are his words. Um, I don't need anybody telling me what to do. Obedience is for dogs on a leash who obey their masters, and I'm nobody's dog, you know. And I don't think he's alone in that that attitude. And yet here's the inescapable truth that this young man uh, still doesn't realize, that every human being obeys something or someone, Uh, Even the person who despises the idea of obedience is subject to one master or another. That master may be the self-inflated ego, may be the self. It may be an addiction. It may be some uh, insatiable desire. It may be uh, the principalities and powers of this world. Everyone obeys something or someone. So in this life, for Christians, we know it's a matter of recognizing this truth and then determining what kind of master we we want to have. So he's not a theologian, at least not officially, but years ago Bob Dylan put it this way in his song, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. That's my best Dylan imitation. You can obey the desires of your own heart. You can obey the mentality of the herd as you live life according to peer pressure and the ever-changing priorities and standards of popular culture. Or you can obey and seek the mind of what our friends in AA and Narcotics Anonymous call higher power. And as Christians, we know that higher power has a name and his name is Jesus. And to Jesus, you heard it, All authority has been given in heaven and on earth. Just think about that, friends. Jesus has received all power, all authority, not just a measure of it, not just a portion. It's been given entirely to Christ. As Christians, we recognize this divine authority. We know and we celebrate that Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord of lords and King of kings. And this one with all the power of the universe, the one with all this authority, is the one, the very same one, who left the beauty and the perfection, the sublime wonder of heaven, to take our place on a lonely, bloody cross you think about that the all-powerful one the one with supreme authority died the death we deserve so when it comes to obedience let this let's get this right this first weekend of the three-part series we don't choose to obey jesus because we are such good righteous decent people We do not choose to follow Christ because we see that he has won a popularity contest. In terms of popularity, he went from hero to zero that last week in Jerusalem, did he not? See, our choice to follow Jesus is a response to his choice. Our decision is a response to his decision. He loved us first when we did not love him or even know his name. And so our decision is a response to God's grace and authority. It does not originate from within. Martin Luther said it this way, I cannot know or come to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies me in the one true faith along with the whole church. So we give God the credit and God the glory in our daily decision to follow Christ. This is how some of our evangelical friends talk about it. You know, We say we have trust in God through grace alone, by faith alone. And some of those evangelical friends will say, well, the Lord has melted our heart, hard hearts, with loving kindness and mercy. Uh, The Holy Spirit has gathered us into this family of faith. Uh, We cannot obey God on our own. We cannot make ourselves holy by some sheer determination or act of the unilateral self. Because if that's the case, well, Jesus didn't need to die on a cross. We could just decide to be holy. So it was Dallas Willard, a friend and mentor, who has since died, but who taught me years ago that grace is opposed to earning. He was a Baptist Christian, but he said, you Lutherans got it right. You Lutherans are the ones that need to remind the rest of the church grace is opposed to earning. But he said, but you Lutherans should understand that grace is not opposed to just a little bit of effort. (laughs) And it's only by um, grace, I think, that we can be inspired to show a little effort for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. And it's only by grace that we can dare to seek obedience and then to teach it to other disciples in training? Jesus told us, and it's not a suggestion, it's a commandment. It's a commandment. You make disciples until the end of human history. You baptize them in the name of the triune God and you teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And that mission is still ongoing. Human history has not ended as we know it. Christ will come again, but until he does, you and I have the responsibility of making disciples. That's the church's reason for being. It's not entertainment. It is certainly not to speak to every social issue under the sun. The church's reason for being is not to make people happy. We're to teach people how to have joy, which is not happiness. Joy sustains us even in times of sorrow and loss and disappointment because joy is not dependent upon feelings it's dependent upon the promise of the lord who's defeated death and opened the way to eternal life for all of us our mission is to make disciples now last week my wife kirsten and i were really excited when our daughter and son-in-law told us that at the school where our grandsons are enrolled they were going to have grandparents day oh great Grandparents' Day. What time should we be there? Seven thirty a.m. Okay. Uh, we were one of the few grandparents just looking around the room that looked young enough to still be working, by the way. And as we're there with all the other grandparents, um, waiting for the kids to arrive and join our our coffee and donuts, that was the bait. You know, we'll give you coffee and donuts if you come at seven thirty as we're waiting for all the boys and girls to arrive, um, I overheard this grandpa and, and a woman, not his wife, a grandma, talking. It's not because I was, you know, eavesdropping. They were, they were talking really loud. And the first man said, you know, we've only got one service now at our church with less than 30 people. We don't even have a Sunday school no more. And the woman said in a louder voice, it's not much better at our church. We only have one young family with three kids in the whole congregation, and we haven't had vacation Bible school or Sunday school in years. And I just so wanted to say something, but you know, I'm... Because, you know, it's grandparent's day, and I didn't want to embarrass Kirsten. So I just, you know, shut my own mouth and bit my own tongue. And then I had to just hold on to my tongue till almost blood was flowing because they kept going. And one of them said, yeah, our, our new pastor just doesn't seem to be, be very good at bringing in the people and getting new members for us. And the woman said, same with our pastor. He hasn't brought in any new members since we got here. We haven't had any visitors for like five or ten years. Because I wanted to say, well, how many people have you invited to worship in the last five or ten years? But I didn't. It was Grandparents' Day, and about that time, the kids were coming in to join us but when Christians believe that it's the pastor's duty alone to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others then congregations like the two represented by those folks will probably continue to decline I share my faith with others that young man who um thinks obedience is for dogs. Not because I'm a pastor. uh Uh-uh. It's because I'm a Christian. It's my baptismal duty. Disciples are to make disciples. This is a duty we all share in Christ. I have been trying my best for over 20 years to preach this here at Faith because your mission that you had in place long before I was called to this office Your mission that you took upon yourselves is we are to lead other people to Christ, incorporating them into the life of the church and equipping one another for effective Christian living. You had that mission before I even preached my first sermon. And some of you are are getting it. Uh, Last week, I wanted to make sure that I was out in the Centrum and Fellowship Hall to do what I could do if anyone had questions about the presentation that was made by Joel and Matt and Jerry. And I saw this one family I'd never seen before, and I wanted to make sure that I greeted them. And I introduced myself, and I said, you know, is this your first, your first Sunday at Faith? Oh, no, we've been coming for weeks. I said, well, I haven't had a chance to to greet you yet. And how did you find your way here? And the wife, the young mother, said, well, some of your members invited us. We're new to the community, and they lived down the street from us and they came to welcome us and they invited us to church. And here we are. And we love it. It's not rocket science. Our mission is to lead people to Christ. Pastors are to do it, but so are all the baptized ministers. You know, most denominations in the United States are losing people every year because existing disciples are dying faster than new disciples are being made. Now, the reasons for this are many, but I submit to you that one of the reasons many churches are dying is because you've got church members who never share their faith with anyone or invite anyone to join them in worship. They think it's the pastor's job and only the pastor's. In other settings, it's a matter of obedience of an altogether different kind. In in some places that call themselves Christian, uh, Jesus is no longer honored and worshipped as the way, the truth, and the life. He's just one teacher among many. Uh, I'm not going to go into great detail, but this past summer, a large Protestant church body that had its annual convention in Milwaukee took a vote and by majority approval decided that Christians no longer have any responsibility and did they should not share their faith with other people who already have their own ideas about God because that would be disrespectful. I am all for respectful, civil conversation with people from other faiths. I expect them to speak of their faith authentically as I speak of my faith authentically. But Jesus said, We're to make disciples, and that He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And when any church body says, Well, Jesus is just one choice on the smorgasbord of religious options, I don't think you can call that church body obedient to the mind of Christ any longer. Jesus says, We're to make disciples, we're to make Christians. And that that happens when people are baptized and they are taught to obey. Now, that might seem counterintuitive. I mean, the young man I referred to doesn't want anybody to say anything to him about obedience. It's not counterintuitive. I mean, it's offensive. But some would say that this is an impossible task. You know, how can you teach people to obey? But Christ is love and god is is grace and jesus would not give us an assignment he would not tell us to do something that cannot be done So we are to teach obedience. We're in the school of discipleship our entire lives. Yes, that old saying is true. Jesus loves you just the way you are, but He loves you too much to leave you that way, in that circumstance, in that predicament. So the Holy Spirit comes to guide us and nurture us and help us in following the Jesus way of living. And when we feel guilty, when we're ashamed, because we know we've sinned and we know we've done wrong, hey, that means school is still in session. That's the Holy Spirit convicting our hearts and reminding us of who we are and how God wants us to live. I've been a pastor long enough to see this happen, and it's happening more and more these days. It happened just last week. Uh, I met uh, a person in her 40s, Oh, you're at Faith Lutheran. I was baptized at Faith Lutheran. Oh, where do you go to church now? Oh, well, I don't. And these days, so many people want their children baptized. Grandparents want their grandchildren baptized too. But a disciple's made not just by the baptism, but Jesus said the baptism has to have the teaching. You're born into the family of God, and then you're taught what it means to be a member of that family. And that's why here at Faith, we are so... Serious about engaging parents in conversation when they want to have children baptized to say, are you ready to take on this holy responsibility of teaching them the faith? Because Jesus said, it's not baptism or teaching, it's both and. Think about it this way. A soldier's not a soldier, a sailor's not a sailor, just because they've gone to... uh, a military building and raised their right hand and taken the oath of office to defend the constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. They got to go to basic training. This is just the beginning. Then they're taught. They're disciplined how to be soldiers and Marines and airmen and sailors. A young girl is not a ballet dancer far from it just because mom and dad had decided to shell out the bucks for lessons at the local studio and bought her her first pair of slippers or point shoes she's got to go there and learn to dance a grad student is not an engineer just because he's been accepted or she's been accepted into the school of their choice they've got to go learn and then after they learn they got to get a job and really learn how to be an engineer right a young boy is not a football player just because mom and dad got the helmet and the shoulder pads. they got to go to practice, and they got to learn how to run the plays, And that's not always a pretty thing, especially when they're just learning the game. But we have to be taught in life. And baptism is the beginning, a glorious, gracious, unearned beginning. But learning to obey Christ is a lifetime occupation. And you and I uh, are still students in the School of Discipleship until our final day. We're going to continue this meditation next Sunday and the Sunday after on obedience. And I pray that in these uh, weeks of meditating on the Word and the mind of Christ that you'll be blessed and encouraged in your walk with Christ. So I just ask you to pray with me now. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for Christ's obedience his total obedience to your holy will, obedience to even death, death on a cross. And thank you for setting us free from bondage to sin and death through Christ. Thank you for freeing us from the the lie, the idea that we can truly live without you. And in this freedom, help us to seek your mind, to seek your will, And to obey what you ask of us, what you command, especially when it's hard and when it's difficult. Forgive us all for the ways in which we have grieved your Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy and renew us each day in faith, hope, and love. All this we ask in the strong, sweet name of Jesus. Amen.